interesting. We're going to look at a couple other things related to that, okay, for, for further research. Okay, this is huge. The well shaft indication of a hidden passage. I think that's a very powerful evidence, especially with what Dr. El Damati, the former minister of antiquities, showed me, that the, there's a, one of the voids is right near that spot. Okay, then the, the trial passage, descending passage, is it, a, is it a partial subterranean passage? If it is, there might be some hidden key there waiting to be found. Okay, then the various hole groupings. Again, those deserve study. There's something there. Uh, now, here's the thing that Dr. Lehner asked me when I told him about Mark Foster's theory. Did sand cover the trial passages in 820 AD, the time of Caliph el Because there's so much sand covered, so much of the pyramid for, for so, so often that, you know, how do we know el Maman was able to find it? For instance, here's an 1890 picture in Romer's book about the Great Pyramid. Look at all the, the rubble that's around the pyramid there. Now, I did talk with Mark Foster about this, and he thinks, that, you know, he, he doesn't have the exact evidence of when all the, because there's been many times where people cleared sand and it's come back and different things, but it seems like the area where the trial passages are was open most of the time. That's what Mark Foster said, and it makes sense, but, you know, we don't know for sure. Was, and this is the thing I forgot to talk to Mark Foster about. Uh, was there enough volume of stone in the subterranean chamber to account for El Maman's tunneling? Because remember, if he tunneled from the inside out, which is what Foster thinks, then you've got to go put that rubble somewhere. And it wasn't in, uh, you know, the, the, the descending passage. So they brought, would have had to probably take it all the way down to the descending passage and put it in the subterranean chamber. Unless they went to all the work of t taking it all the way down, and then once they got out, taking it all the way out. But then where's all the evidence, that rubble and stuff? And so, you know, you got problems. So that, that's something that you'd, you'd, you'd want to look into. Uh, there's the Edgars, uh, Ed, um, Morton Edgar, uh, famous researchers in 1910, and that's down in the subterranean chamber. You can see there is some loose uh, rubble and stuff. So find out, you know, when, when did that start appearing, if you could. And if great treasure was taken out, because that's the thing, you know, El Maman never said they found great treasures. The whole story that everybody gave is, you know, they just, you know, they didn't find anything. It was so disappointing. They had worked so hard and chiseled and chopped and, you know, and, and so, but if they would have found something, because it seems like that's the reason Mark Foster's, you know, theory about them chiseling out. If they didn't find anything, they wouldn't have had to chisel out like that. It seems to me that leaks would have happened. Somebody, even if El Maman said, I'll slit your throat if anybody talks, you know, somebody you know, 50 years later on their deathbed, knowing that Amalman's long since been dead, they might have said something. So is there a story somewhere? Did leaks come out? Because, you know, the limitation of what could come out is limited by the first ascending passage. You should say that. Even though El Maman's forced hole is larger than the first ascending passage, you still had to get whatever was in the king's chamber through the first ascending passage. And it's pretty small. It's not as small as the well shaft. But, uh, you know, I think Foster's partner suggests it could be the lid from the, uh, from, from the coffer in the Great Pyramid. Now, I put the Ark of the Covenant. This is a picture I took from Ancient Architects Channel because I think he does a video where he says he believes that the Ark of the Covenant was in there. Now, I don't believe that for a minute. You know, I think the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Jewish oral tradition says that Jeremiah the prophet hid it when the Babylonians were, you know, attacking the temple, and I, I, I tend to believe that oral tradition. So I don't know how in the heck it would have got, even though, even though it, some, it fits. Now, there, sometimes people say the Ark of the Covenant is the same size as the coffer. No, it's not. But what Ancient Architects is doing is taking the whole thing with where the handles are and everything, it's, which is bigger than just the Ark of the Covenant itself. If you put that whole thing in there, it does apparently fit 
you know, in the coffer. So at least there, maybe there's a relationship between those two. It doesn't mean that that was actually in there, though. And if that was actually in there, I wonder if you could get that out through the, the first ascending passage. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that would be too big because the coffer's too big, and that looks almost as big as the coffer. So anyways, something to think about there. And then what other measures or indications might derive from using the scale revealed in the trial passages? You know, your, a scale is revealed there. So some of my thoughts on the, on the trial passages. Uh, the ancient Egyptian idea of consubstantiality, that is a model can stand for an actual entity. Okay, so the trial passages are the basis for a model pyramid. And so in a sense, that was a real pyramid of Khufu. It was, it was real. Okay, another idea here now that uh, the uh, famous archaeologist Reisner called the, disor the, orderly, excuse me, the orderly tombs of Giza a great city of living cause of all members of the royal family and court. There, there's nothing like it really in all the other pyramids that, that Khufu wanted this whole family cemetery there like that. And it's all ordered. So those are family causes. So keep that idea in mind. And then the Sed Festival. Uh, which was done, the, the, the Pharaoh wants eternal life, but he also wants resurrection and eternal life for all his people. And the said festival, while it was a celebration of the king and sort of cementing, you know, his, his power, it was also him and his kingdom, the connection of his kingdom. So we'll connect these ideas in a second. Uh, then J.P. Lefbry suggested that the Sphinx Temple may actually be the Khufu's Valley Temple. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect these ideas now. Okay, so... Uh, there is the, the, the Sphinx Temple. It's sort of in front of the Sphinx, but not exactly. The Sphinx isn't really aligned with it. Now, Dr. Lehner says that there's no priesthood in the Old Kingdom connected with the Temple of the Sphinx. And so why would, there be, why would it be the Temple of the Sphinx if there's no priesthood? So something doesn't seem right there. Well, you know, J.P. Lepre contends that it was Khufu's temple. Now, he gives reasoning that the only time that causeways aren't directly east of a pyramid is because there's a physical barrier. Well, on Giza, that's a huge escarpment. You know, stand on the golf course at the Mina House and look at the pyramid. There's a huge escarpment. How would you make a causeway go down that? Supposedly, the causeway goes to the east. So he's saying you couldn't do that. Well, you couldn't really take it over the cemetery. See, the blue line there shows that, well, if, you, if there's a causeway, then it's going to go down to Khufu's temple, which we call the Temple of the Sphinx now. It would have been going right over all those graves. But think about it. If, if, we're, if we're combining these ideas now, the, the, that his, his spirit takes all these people with him. The causeway is the causeway of the cause of all these people. And it goes down to his, uh, to his temple down there. So I'll say more about that in a minute. Okay, so Dr. Lehner's uh, following cues to suggest an intended superstructure is correct. I think Dr. Lehner was correct in following that line of reasoning. The designers knew they had left enough clues in a sense, then, so they didn't have to complete the pyramid because we've seen it. Dr. Lehner envisioned it, and I do think that the, 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 uh, the, the builders intended that. So they didn't have to build it because now it exists, exists in conception. That pyramid over the trial passages is there sort of representing a special symbolic pyramid of Khufu. So upon going through the trial passages, now out in the open, you're not in the you're not going into the Great Pyramid. You paid your money, you're going in the Great Pyramid, you're going through courses of masonry. Masonry, and then once you do uh, exit 
at the Grand Gallery, uh, you know, you, you, you come through the first ascending passage, you go to the Grand Gallery, and then you go in to see the sarcophagus. Then you've got to go back out the same way, showing you you're just, you know, but not so with the trial passages. You walk into real life, the idea of consubstantiality. You've entered the next life. In other words, you're coming out of this, you know, there's the claustrophobic point, but you're in the Grand Gallery, and then you don't walk into a closed king's chamber, you're, you walk out on the causeway. It's symbolic of actual resurrection, which is what the king wants for his people, and it's what God wants for all of us. That's what I think the Great Pyramid is saying. Some inter interesting alignments with the Great Pyramid. Uh, one we've talked about, the trench, the third trial passage, lies, uh, lines exactly with the three satellite queen's pyramids. If you if you drew a line through the top point of each one of them, it's totally lined up with this trench. Interesting. Also, Hedaferi's tomb lines up with the king's chamber. Look at that. So Hedaferi's tomb right down there, it's exactly lined up with the coffer and the king's chamber. Interesting. The alignment of the trial passage holes. Okay, so there's the side view of the Great Pyramid. So if you put the line that those holes make, it goes right through the grotto. Interesting. And then if you take the alignment of the vertical well shaft where it is, I've showed you many times that picture, so you, you know, run a, a, a line straight toward the pyramid from there. It runs almost where the well shaft actually is in the Great Pyramid. So maybe there is some kind of real connection between the, the uh, well shaft in the trial passages and the well shaft in the Great Pyramid. Interesting. The next one is amazing, and I'm sure this is the first time you're hearing this, because I just did this. Okay, so you can see I've got Khufu's Pyramid down there. You can see north is toward the bottom of this chart. You can see Khafre's Pyramid with a causeway leading down to the Khafre Temple there. And there's an angled block. It's a block mortared into solid foundation rock in the north side, a huge obvious anomaly. It's like, why, it would be like there's an angled brick on your front, front concrete stoop. You walk up to your house on a concrete stoop, it's all concrete, but there's this one brick that somebody mortared in there at an angle. Like, what? That's exactly what this is. There's this obvious angled block that's telling you, hey, pay attention. That's it right there. And it points right through the head of the Sphinx and to the Sphinx Temple. Who? Now, isn't this interesting? Did Khufu simply know that his brother or son, because Khafre is said to be one or the other, depending on which Egyptologist you listen to, did, Khafre, did Khufu know that Khafre, his brother or son, was going to build the Sphinx right there? Or was it already there? Or did some people I've seen on YouTube videos say that it looks like Khufu, you know, because you know, Khafre built it for Khufu. What if Khufu built it for himself? Again, this angled block, which was, every indication was put there by the original builders. As a matter of fact, it was covered, that block was covered by the casing stones. So it was put there before the casing stones, unless somebody years later took a casing stone. No, no way. That's put there by the original builders, and it's pointing to the Sphinx and the Sphinx Temple. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so there's the line we saw of, of Queen Hedaferi's tomb lined up exactly with the coffer in the Great Pyramid. Now look at this. I blew up that, that close-up of that. Now look at this right there. Now what does that look like to you? I'm sorry, but every time I look at that, I see the leg of an oxen. 
There's a hoof down there. There's the leg. There's the body. So I asked Dr. Lehner after a session at the RC convention. I showed him this picture, and he, he this was in his paper. And I said, what are those lines? Like, why did you draw that river-like, those wavy lines? He said, that's where the contour is. In other words, the natural contour of Giza forms that. Queen Hedda Fairies, that, that hoof is where, you know, her, her tomb is. And so what, what's interesting to me, it's a sacrificial symbol. And I, I maybe wouldn't get quite so excited about this, but what was found inside her tomb, besides the few things that are at the Egyptian Museum, there is a little room for Queen Hedda Fairies, besides her bed and a few things that came out. One of the things that was there was three oxen legs. Three oxen legs as an offering. The, the bones or whatever were wrapped up in something. Oh, look. And, and here, her tomb is lined up exactly with the coffer in the Great Pyramid, the ultimate symbol of resurrection, the great center of the mystery of the Great Pyramid. So it seems to me, and, and so the idea of, uh, uh, there's an ancient Egyptian idea that Khufu, trying to ensure his eternal life, as the standard Egypt, Egyptological line goes, you know, he's building a pyramid, he's trying to ensure his eternal life or whatever, his, his, his life in the age to come. One idea is that he could enter back into the womb of his mother. That's remember his pyramid was going to go right there. The Mark Lehner, you know, suggested pyramid that, that where the trial passages are, and he would have been right there with his mother. And so, if you enter into your mother's womb again, you can be born again. It's a symbol of being born again. This offering, his mother. So his mother, in a sense, you know, she must be making an offering because if she's accepted you know, by Osiris, and then now the king's accepted through her. Just an, another idea of resurrection and life in the age to come. Do you see how I think that that looks like the leg of an oxen? Interesting. All right, well, listen, if you have some questions, ask them down below. But anything I said, uh, please follow the channel, hit the little button so you get notices, and we're going to continue to try and grind out truth about the Great Pyramid. Stay with us.